Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Meet them, greet them, treat them, and street them. Today's date is October 18th, 2022, and I'm your skeptical host, Ken Milne. The title of today's podcast is Oka's Happen and Your Head Over Heels, Head Elevation During CPR, and our guest skeptic is Clay O'Dell. He's a paramedic, firefighter, and registered nurse, the trifecta. Welcome back to the SGM, Clay. Thanks, Ken. It's always a great learning experience to work with you. Well, it's been a little while since you were on as a guest skeptic. Any new updates or announcements that are happening in your life? Well, so in our neck of the woods here in, in New Hampshire, like a lot of rural places, uh, EMS agencies and fire departments are having some real staffing problems. So after almost 40 years of full-time EMS, I've transitioned to mostly per diem and part-time roles for probably about four or five different fire and EMS departments. And my, my colleagues kind of look at me, it's kind of hard to explain to them. So I, I just tell them I'm a free-range paramedic firefighter. <laughs> free-range. That sounds like my daughter ordering a drink at Starbucks. She wants gluten-free, soy, organic, no whip, ethically sourced, paramedic. I think that probably describes me, actually. <laughs> Is that what you order when you pull up to Starbucks? No, I think that probably describes me. Gluten-free, maybe ethically sourced. I hope to think so. And organic. And organic, yeah. Yeah, no uh, inorganic substances in my joints yet. All right. Well, why don't you get this uh, episode started with a case? Absolutely. So our case is you are the chief of your local fire and EMS department, and an individual contacts you saying he saw a piece on TV about heads-up CPR device, and he wants to donate half the cost and has his checkbook out. Ooh, it's always nice when somebody wants to help and support the healthcare system. So we've covered out-of-hospital cardiac arrest many times on the SGEM, and this includes things like epinephrine for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, targeted temperature management, mechanical CPR, superglottic airways, steroids, hands-on defibrillation, and many more topics. In fact, we'll put a list in the show notes. Yeah, unfortunately, overall, the success rate of resuscitation of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest is, is pretty dismal. And, you know, efforts to improve resuscitation rates, you know, we, we got to do it. They're absolutely vital. So previous studies in animal research have suggested that elevating the head during CPR is one way to improve success rates. The proposed physiology includes decreasing intracranial pressure and improving the return of venous blood from the head and neck to the thorax. Pathophysiology. Well, it's been used to justify just about anything in medicine. And there are examples of medical reversal when properly conducted studies are performed to confirm the hypotheses. The time to accept a claim is when there's sufficient evidence. Yeah, to me, this is a study to uh, attempt to confirm or refute the pathophysiology and the animal research, but in human subjects. So what's the clinical question then? Clinical question is, does the rapid use of an automated head-up device as part of a CPR bundle improve survival from OCA, out-of-hospital cardiac arrest? And the reference? The reference is Moore et al., head and thorax elevation during cardiopulmonary resuscitation using circulatory adjuncts is associated with improved survival. It was published a couple of months ago in Resuscitation, and I have to say there's a lot of big names in EMS as co-authors on this paper. All right. Well, let's run through the PCOT. What was the population in this study? 
So the population is adults 18 years of age and older with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. And they give an extensive definition of what they mean by out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, and we'll put those in the show notes. Who did they exclude from the study? So excluded were children, prisoners, women known to be pregnant, patients greater than 175 kilograms, and patients without documentation of the 911 call to start of EMS CPR time interval. All right. And how about the intervention? So the intervention was automated controlled elevation of the head and thorax CPR, which they call ACE CPR, and a bundle of care that includes an impedance threshold device, or ITD, an active compression decompression, or a Lucas mechanical compression device. I suspect that they want the automated controlled elevation of the head and thorax CPR device to be called the ACE CPR. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, though. What did they compare it to? Comparison was with conventional CPR with or without impedance threshold device. All right, let's run through the outcomes. What was their primary outcome of interest? Primary outcome was survival to hospital discharge. And their secondary outcomes? Yeah, there were two of them. Uh, Return of spontaneous circulation or ROSC at any time and, quote, favorable neurological function, unquote, defined as a cerebral performance category, or CPC, of one or two, or a modified Rankin scale, MRS score, of three or less. And what type of study was this? This was a multicenter prospective observational study. All right. The author's conclusions were, quote, compared with C CPR controls, rapid initiation of ACE CPR was associated with a higher likelihood of survival to hospital discharge after an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Let's run through the quality checklist for observational studies. Did this study address a clearly focused question? Yes. Did the authors use an appropriate method to answer their question? Well, the answer is yes for association. A randomized control trial would be needed to determine causation. And was the cohort recruited in an acceptable way? Yes, it was. The patients in the intervention arm were from six EMS systems that consistently implemented ACE CPR as part of their standard cardiac rest care operating procedure. The comparison group came from three large NIH-funded trials, specifically PrimeMed, ROC-ALP, and the RESCUE trial. And looking at the exposure, and this was to this device, was the exposure, did they accurately measure it to minimize potential bias? I think they did. And how about the outcome? Was it accurately measured to minimize bias? The answer would be yes for the primary outcome or survival, but there's some issues with inter-rater reliability for the modified Rankin scale score. Yeah, survival is a fairly dichotomous outcome. You can't be mostly dead, unless you're a Princess Bride fan like I am, but you know, you're either alive or dead. So that's pretty dichotomous. It's very objective. And yes, there are some subjective issues and inter-rater reliability issues with those good neurologic outcome scores. How about the authors? Have they identified all the important confounding factors? Unsure about that, Ken. Was the follow-up of subjects complete enough? Yes, it was. How precise were the results? 
not very precise. They had wide confidence intervals around the point estimate for the odds ratio. All right, here's a question for you, Clay. Do you believe the results? Have to give that an unsure, Ken. And how about this one? Can you apply these results to your local population? Yeah, unsure about that one too. All right, do the results of this study fit with other available evidence? Yes, they do. And the twelfth and final question, the funding of this study. Well, the funding was done by the ACE CPR device manufacturer, Advanced CPR Solutions. See, I've already got you saying ACE CPR. All right, so let's go through the results section. They included 227 patients from the ACE CPR registry data who were propensity score matched to 860 CCPR patients. Now, the mean age was 64 years, two-thirds were male, 7% were witnessed by EMS, 43% had bystander CPR attempted, and almost 1 in 20 were in VF or ventricular fibrillation or pulseless VT. What was the key result? So the key result, when all the patients in the study were considered, ACPR was not associated with improved survival to discharge for the adult patients with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. All right, so that was the key result. Let's drill down into that. The primary outcome, this was survival to hospital discharge. What were the actual numbers? So ACPR resulted in 9.5% survival to discharge versus conventional CPR or CCPR of 6.7%. That uh, resulted in an odds ratio of 1.44 with a 95% confidence interval of 0.86 to 2.44. And so the point estimate did favor the ACPR, but the 95% confidence interval spanned one the line of no statistical difference. All right, then they did some subgroup analyses for those treated from the 911 call to ACE CPR within 11 minutes and 18 minutes, and they had an improved odds ratio of survival. How about the secondary outcome, ROSC at any time? Yeah, so no statistical difference. And then how about survival to hospital discharge? Because I think I think this is the real patient-oriented outcome. You survived and you were neurologically intact or you had a favorable neurologic outcome or neurologic status. How about that? Yeah, so no statistical difference. Yeah, it was down around 5% for both groups. All right, Clay. It's been a while. Are you ready to talk nerdy to me? Let's do it. (laughs) Okay, here we go. And the first and most obvious nerdy point is about association is not causation. It's a good to remember that this study design, a prospective observational study, cannot be used to conclude causation. While it is interesting that there was an association between rapid ACE CPR use and mortality, causation would need to be demonstrated in a properly designed randomized control trial. And so I did a search because, you know, I've got issues. I did a search on clinicaltrials.gov and did not find any randomized control trials currently underway. However, there is another observational study, which is a before and after study design currently underway in Europe called Gravity. So number two is propensity score matching. 
So the authors of the study compared their own data to patient data from other folks' studies. I was kind of curious about this, and one of the things I contacted you about was I, I wondered if it was a valid tool to use in this study. You kind of let me know that propensity score matching is a mathematical technique that's used in observational studies uh, to try to minimize confounders. Yeah, it's, it's a completely appropriate tool to use, and it can potentially improve the accuracy of minimizing some of the biases within the study. However, I've, I've further learned that it can't address unmeasured confounders and get to the level of a randomized control trial. You kind of let me know there was an author named Peter Austin who published a paper in 2011 that gives a reasonable introduction to propensity score matching if anyone is interested in learning more. So yeah, it's a valid tool to use. The third nerdy point was time to treatment. We know that certain things can be important in patients with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. This includes early high-quality CPR and having a shockable rhythm. Time is another important factor. This study showed that earlier ACE CPR application from 911 dispatch had a greater odds ratio than those treated in a similar time frame with the CCPR. Now, but we must be careful not to overinterpret these results. It could also be that those using this fancy new device early were performing at a higher level for other important aspects correlated to survival. Of course, randomization to early versus late CPR, it would be unethical. But they highlight this less than 11 minutes and less than 18 minutes in their subgroup analysis. And I wondered, why were these times picked? And was it done a priori? We couldn't find that this study was registered or published their methodology in advance. So number four is generalizability. So this study included six sites which were characterized as early adopters. Are there any differences between those locations that embrace this technology sooner compared to those that did not? Perhaps it's those traits that lead to faster care and ultimately better outcomes and not necessarily the head elevation. And the fifth and final point was about conflicts of interest. This study was funded by the manufacturer of the ACE CPR device. Co-author Bayer Salverda received payment from Advanced CPR Solutions on a contract basis for data collection services. He was listed as data curation in the paper. Did Mr. Salverda do the propensity matching? Did anyone verify it? During the term of the study, he lists his position as research associate for Advanced CPR Solutions. Another co-author is Keith Laurie. He is a co-founder of Advanced CPR Solutions, owns a significant equity position in the company, and serves as its chief medical officer. None of the other co-authors declared any relationship with industry or other relevant entities, financial or otherwise, that might pose a conflict of interest with the publication. And Clay, I've pointed this out repeatedly, that industry funding does not negate the result. And it is not an ad hominem attack. It's an actual reality of doing research in our era. Many researchers do have a relationship with industry. And those relationships do not invalidate what they're publishing. However, it should make us more skeptical of their publication and interpretation. 
All right, that's enough nerdiness. It's time to comment on the author's conclusions and compare them to the SGEM's conclusion. So, Ken, we agree that there was an association between rapid application of ACPR and lower mortality. Yeah, and a couple of key words in there is the association and talking about the rapid application. How about an SGEM bottom line? Well, we cannot recommend the purchase of an ACPR device at this time. And how are you going to resolve that case scenario that you presented at the start of the podcast? So the generous offer to help purchase an ACPR device is politely declined. And how are you going to take this study and apply it clinically? So current research has not adequately shown a difference in outcomes between high-quality conventional CPR and ACPR. There's a potential that earlier application of the ACPR device, along with an ITD, an active compression, decompression CPR, or mechanical CPR, may improve outcomes. However, it's too soon to adopt this technology. The authors mentioned that further studies are being conducted, and we look forward to critically appraising those publications when they're available. So you said you're going to politely decline the uh, funding, uh, but you're only going to politely decline the funding for the ACPR device. Tell us what you're going to say to that donor who's got his checkbook out. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't want to disappoint him. So I would certainly thank that individual for the generous offer, but let him know that there lacks high quality evidence for the ACPR device and that evidence that it saves lives. So our suggestion would be for them to purchase something that has been proven to save lives, like an automated external defibrillator for the local community center. All right, it's time for the Keener Contest, and last week's winner was... There was no winner. The answer we were looking for is the fastest-growing racial and ethnic group in the U.S. over the last 20 years is Asian Americans. What's the question this week? So, Ken, what Disney character shares the name of an early commercial mechanical CPR device that was developed in the 1970s? All right, all you Disney fans out there, send me an email if you know the answer to this question about what Disney character shares the name of an early commercial mechanical CPR device. Send that email to the sgem at gmail.com with Keener in the subject line. The first correct answer will receive a cool skeptical prize. Well, thank you, Clay, for coming on and being a guest skeptic again. Well, I guess thank you for pushing me beyond my comfort zone when I initially contacted you with just a question. You encouraged me to be a guest skeptic. So I'm trying not to allow the fame of being a guest skeptic on the, the SGM to go to my head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fame that comes with doing a free open access podcast. Absolutely. All right. Well, one last task. Can you read the SGEM tagline? So, of course, remember to be skeptical of anything you learn, even if you heard it on the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Talk to everyone next week.